welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Ron. I'm Lindsay. I'm Jay. And this is our review of Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker, starring Mickey Rooney, William Thorne, Jane Higginson, Tracy Frame, Brian Bremer, and Clint Howard. Directed by Martin Kittrasser, released in 1991 on an estimated budget of $250,000. No one knows how much it made because it went straight to video, and Brian Houston was involved, so Charles Band probably got a cut. This is the fifth entry in the increasingly unrelated Silent Night, Deadly Night series. Um, and as such, yeah. it's... Go ahead, <laughs> I, I, I got questions. Okay, like, why are we doing... Of all the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies we could do, we're going to skip Garbage Day and do this one? <laughs> Ron, do explain yourself. Like, well, this is your idea, so... And it's yeah. January, by the way, so... We yeah, it's January. We've missed December completely. It one of the reasons why I ended up watching this one because was because on New Year's Eve, Jay and I have a tradition of separately watching New Year's Evil. We've talked about it in our New Year's Evil episode available in the archives. But this year I go to Amazon and I'm like, Great, it's time. New Year's Evil. Nothing shows up except that bullshit Gary Marshall New Year's movie. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm not watching that. New Year's Evil. So I yell at Alexa for a while. Then I, get, <laughs> then I give up and go search New Year's Evil. And it is not available for streaming anywhere. Shock and horror. Like, I could buy it for like 15 bucks, and I'm not going to pay 15 bucks for this movie as much as oh, I See, I, I bought it when it was $7.99. That's what you should have done, man. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And yet I yeah. didn't, so it's my failing. So I was like, well, I can't just not watch a piece of crap. I got to watch something crazy. I got to watch something that will fit. And I was still in the Christmas spirit. And honestly, I'm still in the Christmas spirit now. So I was like, let's try Silent Night, Deadly Night 5. And I watch it and I text Jay and I'm like, this movie is insane. You've got to watch this. <laughs> yeah, which I've seen it. I, I will cop to. I've seen all of the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies before. I've seen the first two uh, a few times a piece. I've seen the third and fourth and fifth one. Um, I did a marathon one year. I think it was when the new rebootish one came out, whether that was 2012, 2013, whatever that was. And so I, I watched them all in succession. And not that it helped because they had nothing to do with each other most of the time and nothing to do with that reboot. But I've seen all these before, but I barely remember this one other than I remember Mickey Rooney was in it. And I distinctly remember like he had like a real problem with Silent Night, Deadly Night when it came out. And now he's in one. So apparently, the, like some of that 250 grand was enough. That's all I need to know. <laughs> and, and and given the state of Mickey Rudy's career at this point, it probably wasn't much of it. Yeah, really. So, now, Lindsay, I got this is this is new for you, right? Like all of this, brand new. I have never seen this. is This is the first and only Silent Night, Deadly Night film that I have ever watched, and I watched it, finished it uh, about three hours ago. So. <laughs> It's super fresh in my mind. Yeah, I like I said, I've only seen this one once before. I do remember it though, and we'll talk about why in a, in a bit because there's some memorable pieces to it outside of Mickey Rooney's uh, crazy stuff. Uh, but yeah, I I've seen this one before. When you texted me that, 
I was like, oh yeah, that movie's bug nuts, you know, or whatever. And we were going back and forth and you're like, hey, we should just do that. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking like <laughs> next year, December. And I was like, no, now. So Lindsay and I come off of doing like, you know, the reboot of West Side Story, this, you know, <laughs> pretentious movie as it was but you know it's got this great point and then we're gonna do this and i'm like well you know it wouldn't be film strip if we didn't whiplash you to death with our uh, episode to episode uh connections here so yeah. yeah as we were talking with Lindsay off mic uh basically film strip is us doing whatever we want uh, and, and various co-hosts and co-hosts just throw things out and whatever we want to do we end up doing and this movie was this was my first time watching this. So I was like, this is too crazy not for us to jump on it. And when you were like, yeah, I told Lindsay to watch it. I was like, all right, well, that just cements it. We're, we're going <laughs> to sit down and do this movie. <laughs> I mean, I knew I had seen it. I, you hadn't seen it, Ron, but I knew you were at least familiar with the series and, and were clearly having a reaction to it. And I was like, I got to get Lindsay's thought on this because one, I know you love horror movies, Lindsay. You I grew do. up with them like yep. we did at, at different times. And so I thought, well, this this might be worth it. And uh, yeah, um, I, I just I did ask you, I was like, okay, so what did your Brian think of this? And his response to that was golden, I thought. <laughs> yeah, so I I invited uh, my Brian to watch this with me. He's usually a really good sport about watching all the films that I watch for this podcast. And he read the synopsis of it and just went, mm, pass. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I watched it. Uh, I watched it solo, which was fine with me. And it, it was worth it the watch i'd say i mean i i wasn't <laughs> i i had set the bar pretty low to be fair but yeah. i was uh i wasn't i wasn't upset with the result i guess yeah i mean the bar the bar is like dinosaur bones at this point like it's <laughs> when you get to the end of this series the most low rent of horror series as it is when you get to this one it's like yeah you can have no expectations other than could you be entertained and i'll say this before i say anything else and i've got plenty of nits to pick in this movie and i'm sure you two do as well is that i will say one thing it is not boring like it, it definitely gets your attention sometimes in shocking ways. And I think that's the whole point of this series though. Like not to review all the silent night, deadly night movies. And I promise we won't do all of them. We may do that garbage <laughs> day one Sunday uh, because I got words for that. But uh, you know, this one definitely gets your attention, but this whole series is built to be like evocative and shocking. And I mean, it's built on the idea of murder at Christmas, you know, I mean, of course. Right. I mean, which, that's not novel because black Christmas has been around. There's been a lot of horror Christmas movies, but this one has always taken it to like a, just a different level. I mean, there's one where it's like a sorority of witches and they're worshiping like an evil glow worm. And there's one where it's like a mental patient who drives a lawnmower over people and Robert Culp's a cop in one. I mean, it's this, this series is insane, but it's always doing something to just you know, make you go. I can't believe they did that. And then you just can't turn away from it. It's like a car wreck. So what Jay is saying uh, in a roundabout way is we'll end up covering all these movies because they all sound crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, how we've missed them for 11 years, it kind of blows my mind because I thought, did, I'm like, it, it's rare that I'm stumped by our own catalog because generally it's the one thing I can remember for some reason is what we've done, what we haven't done without looking. But I thought, man, didn't we do one of those once upon a time? But we didn't. I had to go back and look. I said, man, I don't know how we avoided all those. Well, you, you thought like, we, we did one because I've, you thought we did one because I've pitched silent night deadly night every time we've had tis the podcast 
on. Yeah, that's, so. that's true. <laughs> that is true. And uh, someday we will drag poor Julia through that. Um, Anthony and Tom are kind of ancillary. I just got to have Julia do that. But yeah, that's, that's another. <laughs> we, have, we have to make it up to her for all the terrible things we put her through in other movies. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know that that would make it up to her. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, we, well, you know, we drug poor Lindsay through this one. So we'll see what uh, <laughs> what that looks like. But Ron, I think it's time for you to, and I use this uh, term very loosely, give us the plot summary, if you would, for <laughs> Silent Night, Daily Night 5, The Toy Maker, uh, so we can uh, get into dissecting it as we are want to do here on Filmstrip. It's an undetermined amount of nights before Christmas, and not a creature is stirring in Derek's household, except for Derek, who's watching his mother and stepfather have gross sex prior to wandering downstairs after hearing a doorbell. Waiting on the steps is a big, beautifully wrapped toy marked Do Not Open Till Christmas on the label. Derek's gross stepfather, Todd or Rick or something, surprises him and yells at him before sending him back to bed, only to find himself strangled and killed by a crazy-looking Santa Claus toy. Derek is traumatized, obviously, because his dad wore a pinky ring and had a terrible receding <laughs> hairline. And two weeks later, his grieving mother is sick of his shit enough to yell at him over breakfast and try to break him out of his funk by taking him to local toy maker Pedo's store, where Derek is traumatized again by Pedo's masquerade and creep-ass son, Pino. <laughs> Meanwhile, skulking around the periphery is Ricky lookalike Noah, who wears an old army jacket and has an unhealthy obsession with toys. Judging by the amount he's dropping at, Pito, at Pino and Pedo's place. When Sarah takes Derek to see Santa and attempt to spring him out of his funk, we get a Clint Howard cameo, and the Santa is none other than creepy skulking Noah, who seems to be as unhealthily obsessed with Sarah and her son as he is with toys. <laughs> but not as unhealthily obsessed as Pino, who breaks into the family home and puts his boots on Derek's bed when he's not fondling Sarah's lacy underwear. Sarah confronts Pedo after chasing Pino out of the house, who flies into a drunken rage and seems to kill Pino after Sarah leaves. Meanwhile, Noah goes to Sarah's office, and after surprising her and making her run screaming through a parking garage for some reason, they finally reconnect. Noah is Sarah's lost love and Derek's father, and two weeks after her husband died, she's banging Derek in a parking lot while Derek's sister, excuse me, while Derek's babysitter is having gross sex with her boyfriend. And this is exceptionally gross sex. It makes the sex from the beginning of the movie look like <laughs> Monster's Ball. <laughs> A bunch of Pedo's toys come to life and brutally kill the babysitter's boyfriend and traumatize the babysitter before kidnapping Derek. Noah and Sarah arrive at the house only for Sarah to steal Noah's car and take off to get her son back. Sarah is confronted by a mystery Santa Claus, who turns out to be Pino, who then takes off his clothing and face and reveals that he's actually a robot. Turns out Pedo has been breaking him and rebuilding him for years, and, and Pino finally got sick of it, killing the old man. Now he wants Sarah to be his mommy, or he wants to have sex with her, or both, and a dickless robot tries to molest Sarah while she screams <laughs> bloody murder. Sarah's it's like dad. one of those characters in the, like the Primus videos or the Burger King King. <laughs> yes, he looks like a combination of the Burger King King and like if the people from the Black Hole Sun video didn't have genitals. There we go. <laughs> Sarah stabs Pino in the head with a screwdriver, causing him to malfunction even more. He then tries to kill Derek, who was trapped in a hanging bag, only to be interrupted by Noah, 
A terrible fight ensues until Sarah grabs an axe and cuts Pino in half. Pino cries for his father pathetically before Sarah steps on his head, killing him. (laughs) The new family embraces, but one of Pedo's toys begins to spark ominously as credits roll. The end? Turns out it was because they didn't make a sixth one. (laughs) Um, So if we haven't already made it clear here, this is definitely one that earns its uh, e-tag on iTunes today. Uh, What in the actual fuck is all that about? (laughs) Because I do not even know how that gets strung together. I get what they're doing. It's let's do horrific Pinocchio story, right? Probably because it's like domain or something they can do. But there's so much going on in this and it's beyond the pale. Like, I, oh. I won't lie. I didn't realize that their names were Pino and Pedo until like halfway through the movie the first time I watched it. Because I kept just being like, oh, that's just Mickey Rooney. And oh, that's just like creepy fake new wave kid. And his name isn't just Petto, it's Joe Petto. Right. Joe Petto. <laughs> I mean, As opposed to there's Joe. subtext and then there's text. <laughs> As opposed to Joe Pedo, who's the, a completely different guy. The the Pinocchio references in this movie were so tongue-in-cheek. I mean, you have the babysitter reading him Pinocchio at reading Derek Pinocchio uh, toward the end of the movie, right before their gross sex scene. I, there are just a ton of references throughout the movie, but and we, we could get into this later, but maybe now's the time to do it. If they're doing just a really fucked up Pinocchio, they could have done so much more with it. And that's my issue. Where's Jiminy Cricket? Where are the donkeys? Right. Where? Are... <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I want to know the same thing. I'm like, I mean, wait, the, like the donkeys are probably the donkeys are probably that weird kid friend and yeah. boyfriend because they're both kind of jackasses. Yeah, the, the, ro- yeah, the yeah. rocket skate friend. Yeah, yeah. That, that has the whole um, pet cemetery like moment. <laughs> but then it got me thinking. Like, I really want to see now, and I didn't even know I I needed this in my life is a really dark Pinocchio. Oh, there is one. Yeah, they go search a good horror, like, bent. They go through Shudder or something like that. There's there's an evil Pinocchio movie. I remember it specifically. It's, I guess you can call it Pinocchio, but it's, like, sinister looking. Actually, was it a good, like, evil Pinocchio movie? It's called Dead Silence. And James Wan did it, and everybody forgot about it. But it's more than Pinocchio, too. It's sort of, like, precursor to Annabelle, but spoilers for upcoming episodes of the film strip. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, possibly, right? You know, because there's so many of them. Uh, Though, I don't know, people have been listening to the show long enough, like, if you listen way back in the archives, you hear me reference stuff that we might do that we never do. (laughs) So, you know, we just, who knows? Because again, this show is kind of like, big dreams. the structure of this show is like Seinfeld. It's just whatever. You know, so it's whatever hits us that day. Um, we got it. There's so much to get into, but I just got to ask a question. Is this the grossest, sexiest opening to a Christmas horror movie ever? And that's saying something because there have been quite a few of those out there, including this own series. I think for, for my money, the grossest one is still probably the first one, which if I remember correctly, opens with it could be this one or it could be Christmas Evil. Uh, but there's one of them that opens up with this family getting attacked by a guy dressed like Santa Claus who then proceeds to rape the mother in the middle of the street while the children watch. And that that is the original Silent Night Deadly original Night. Yes. Yeah, oh, no. but Christmas That's Evil it. is also no slouch in terms of the grotesquery <laughs> factor. This, 
This is after, by the way, Lindsay, the children have been taken to see their grandfather in like the assisted living home, and he mm-hmm. grabs one of them to go like, Santa will kill all the bad boys and girls for being naughty. You know, it's that guy. <laughs> so it's yeah, in that inflection, exactly. So mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, I mean I I remembered that there was I, I think I remembered the babysitter and her boyfriend had like a scene that involved like doll hands and tidy whities and like demonic toys puppet beast yeah. puppet master you know coming to life and like have them tidy whities always look anything but white in sex scenes like right that. like because they just look like they have not been washed for two weeks i mean truthfully the guy probably brought his own wardrobe to the set like i don't imagine <laughs> they had a costume that's fair but th- there's that but this this one opens with like all I can think of is that scene in Forrest Gump when the principal comes out and says, your mama sure does love your education. And Forrest goes, because ah, 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 you know, that's the noise coming out of this room. This poor kid is listening to mom get her Christmas fuck on in the room. You say it's an undisclosed time before Christmas. I think it's Christmas Eve, man. No, that's because two weeks, later, the house, two weeks later, they still got unopened Christmas presents. Yeah, it's like oh, two wow. and a half weeks before Christmas Eve. Because yeah. then her neighbor says tomorrow's Christmas Eve. It's only going to get better. Maybe it was so, Hanukkah then. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I mean, there's it was, it was uh, Black Friday post big turkey dinner. Oh, yeah, it was all the the Visa card. So, but I don't know. Like, yeah, Gross Dad Todd. I, that's a great name for him. I don't know what his name is. We're just gonna call him that. Gross Dad Todd. That that guy is. Um, you can just smell like the Coors Banquet coming off of him <laughs> through the screen, yeah. right? Coors Banquet and like whatever the equivalent of Axe body spray was. High <laughs> yeah. karate, Old Spice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That and would probably be the like, old spice. Definitely old spice. And Winston Select Lights. It probably is <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a very specific. Yeah, but he's definitely Winston. Uh, he's not cool. So he's not cool enough for cools. No. He's not manly enough for Marlboros. Yeah. No. Uh, it could be Winston Golds. That's that Winston would be Golds would or Vantage One Hundreds. Yeah. Yeah, the butthole cigarette. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, so yeah. Cigarette. Though I'm surprised Sarah didn't like have those capris going, you know, because it was the time she had enough Aquanet going there. She might have lit her hair up doing yeah. that. But no, yeah, it, the opening, the opening of this though is is that I mean it it is it does what Silent Night Daylight movies are supposed to do. It's evocative. It's supposed to make you go uh, and then you get the evil toy thing. And I gotta say, like one of my favorite things about evil Christmas movies is when they do like. Christmas music like Nutcracker Sweet, but they just twist it just a little bit where it's like ultra sinister. It's like they turn the turn the sinister knob on the mix board on the eight oh eight, and it's just da 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 knife in your throat coming down. You know, I mean that's that's what I had in my head watching this. So I'm like, I love it when we do evil Christmas music in these movies, and you expect it abruptly it, hits like minor domain. key. Well, they do that in the the opening yes. kill, right? Because. Yeah. The Santa Claus toy is all happy yeah. and smiling. Then it turns around and it's got an evil fangy face and it wraps its arms around Todd's neck and starts to strangle him. It actually, cling, it jumps on his face like a face hugger. And I think the little tiny Santa mouth is like yes. down onto his nose. When he first pulled the Santa out of the box, my first reaction was, ah, oh, it's a Pokemon. <laughs> and I was like, that is not where I expected this movie to go. But, but. And then it becomes, and I, y'all, please tell me I'm not the only one that saw this, that I'm not the sick, twisted one on the show. It looked like a giant ball gag. That's what they were doing with this guy. 
I mean, it was uh, yeah. the gimp was happening right there in front of me. Like you know, Tarantino like owns the print of this too, so he probably like stole that from this. For all we know, my my first thought was the face hugger from Alien. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Then I my, that too. But then my second thought was the silver ball from Phantasm. Oh. And I kept waiting for it to drill into his head and spray blood out. But they went the much cheaper and or more expensive route by having him like fall into the mantle and then fall onto the poker. And and shout out to the guy who did the special effects or one of the guys who did the special effects who did most of the really grotesque stuff. Uh, Screaming Mad George, who is a special yeah. effects legend who Jay knows from Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, and who I know from Brian Yuzna's other movie, Society, which is insane and disgusting, yes. and also yeah. the brilliant-looking, if you've never seen it, check out Freaked, Alex Winter's post-Bill and Ted movie, that looks incredible. Just throwing it out there. No, you, I will say, for as cheap as the budget is, the one thing they did not cheap on are the effects. And there's something about practical effects and good camera tricks. And like, I even love the slow-mo of him tripping over the, the fire poker and all that. And like, you know, he's going to land eye first into that. And yeah, like they, they spared no expense of the effects in this one and give us, give us the gore right out of the gate. Cause I mean, by the fifth entry, right? Like, you know what you're in for. And, and we get that within 90 seconds of this. Yeah. Their blood recipe was solid so i feel like we're i'm jumping around a little bit anyway but with the babysitter coming out of the house and she has that blood all over her face it looks like the same blood recipe that's used in carrie Mm -hmm. when she has all that like pig blood or whatever dumped all over her but yeah the k-row syrup with the food coloring mm -hmm, action mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. no it looks great though it really it really does and it's I mean, yes, there's a reason that Derek is traumatized from all of this. Like, we get it. He comes down and sees that after seeing what else he saw. I mean, good grief. You know, the, the kid's going through a lot there on December the 12th. And his, and his gross shirtless stepfather, whose name is probably Todd. I think it's Todd. <laughs> or Tom. <laughs> I don't know. Tom, Todd. Tom or Todd. And it's the same guy. Anyway, he's wearing those blue pajama pants that you used to get back in the late 80s early 90s that came with the button-up pajama shirt but the problem with them was they had like two buttons in the front so they would always just like gap open or randomly open and the whole time (laughs) i'm sitting there waiting for little todd to fall out of his his (laughs) pajamas before he dies i mean i was looking at that going like I know those as the Jeffrey McDonald murder pajamas because that's what he wore when he murdered his entire family up in Fort Bragg in the 70s. Uh, it looked the same. It's the, but that's that same style. You're right. Like you see somebody with that and it's like, that's not like, no, that's not good. Like I have on my fuzzy, like, you know, they're, they're quilty looking pajama pants now. But yeah, I've, I've seen those blue ones and see somebody coming with that. Like again, there's there's like the Old Spice Winston beer set that we talked about coming with it and uh, pinky rings and gold chain through the chest hair and all. Yeah. Yeah. So no murder jammies or pinky rings for Jay and no. Ron. Yeah. No, I mean, no, maybe no a pinky ring, but no inside. murder jammies. But no murder jammies. Because yeah, <laughs> nobody people hit the Patreon button on this show. So <laughs> I mean, if you guys want us to have pinky rings and, and, murder, and murder pajamas to record in, uh, then support us on Anchor FM. 
because there's a way to donate to the podcast right there. Click on that button for us, please. I, I've already got a, I've already got one of my dad's pinky rings from, uh, that he used to wear. That's a gold eighties nugget ring. Oh, nice. (laughs) So I'm ready to thread a, thread a, uh, a necklace through my, my impressive chest hair and wander around through. (laughs) Look, I, I don't know. I don't know about that, but I now all I want to do is review Rhinestone with the two of you, just so I can watch Ron react to Freddie Hugo. <laughs> what that's all about, and Sylvester Stallone singing country songs because that's as horrific as this movie gets. I'll tell you that. Uh, just go, just go YouTube Drinkenstein, kids, and just get ready for two and a half minutes of glory. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Um, yeah, this yeah, this movie gets us out of the shot though. And I, I wrote down another thing too is we start meeting the characters here. Um, because this is when I had my question, like I'm not wrong, right? Like Mickey Rooney did like decry Silent Night Deadly Night, like for existing. He did. He wrote a letter of protest of the first one, <laughs> stating that the scum who made it should be run out of town for having sullied the sacredness of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but he changed his mind yeah clearly clearly that that's hilarious um i didn't think i was wrong about that but you see him come on and they do i mean i caught the joe Petto line like immediately i remembered that but even the first time i've seen this i remember going like oh man they're not even hiding it like, it's, it's, like i said there's subtext and there's text and it's bold you know, airbrushed in the back of the truck uh, kind of text in this movie. And I have a question and Ron, you may know this. Was this another thing called the toy maker? And then some producer, some studio somewhere said, let's slap silent. I deadly night on the front of that. I mean, and I don't know who would have thought that, but I, I just wonder if it, it wasn't one of those, like those diehard movies were. My assumption is that it that it was meant to be a silent night, deadly night movie and that they were trying to do a sort of Halloween three thing with it, where you've got this oh. name that people know and people, people know silent night, deadly night, people know silent night, deadly night too, for obvious reasons. So they were just like, we can keep using this name and just push some other Christmas related horror movies out, you know, under that banner and blockbuster will buy them. <laughs> And Lindsay will rent them with her friends. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) um, Okay, I hear people say that all the time. Like, they wanted to do the Halloween 3 thing. I would like to remind everyone that it is only in the, like, last three or four years that that has become something that people think is okay and cool now. That movie was a friggin' bomb. (laughs) I mean, it wrecked people's lives and careers when it came out. It is never a good idea to take your title and go in the opposite direction of it. Like we're going to use the title. I remind everyone again, Friday the 13th, the new beginning. Like that is not, that is not a good example. Even though I think Pino in this and, and Tommy in that movie are distantly related. Convince me otherwise. Uh, Cause they act <laughs> the same, but I mean, really like yeah, that is never a good idea to do. Um, no matter what your, your idea is like it, it would be different if the if the series had been set up that way and i'm not some purist that says like they have to keep following the continuing through line because oh my goodness the story of ricky is unbelievable uh, in this but i oh that just blows my mind that someone said like yeah when you go in a new direction with the silent night deadly night series i well, got it well the same guy who did three and four uh executive produced this one so he had the rights to the name and he was gonna milk that name until it was dust on the ground 
I mean, yeah, because and, presumably he had to buy the the rights from the the original rights holders, and probably paid for them. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, this was the last one they did for almost twenty years because they didn't touch this again until Mal- Malcolm McDowell and Donald Logue came along, you know, in the two thousands to to do that new one. And they didn't they didn't reference this at all. Uh, but you know, Killer Toys, like, is I've, I feel like I've seen that motif done a lot or whatever. But I have to say, like, the the uniqueness of these Killer Toys is pretty cool, and they they play around with who's actually making the Killer Toys. And that's my question for y'all: Is it? Is Joe Petto actually making the evil killer toys or is Pino doing it like on the sly? I think it's Pino doing it because he's the one who seems to be pushing them onto people. Like at the store where Derek is there, he brings out Larry the Larva and he's like, here, take this kid. Only for Larry the Larva to end up killing some random guy who runs a hotel or something um, later on. landlord. Well, they... But uh, but they kind of push that it's, it's coming from Pedo's shop, but they muddy who is actually distributing them. But then they also right. set up Noah as being a Ricky type Christmas stalker, which is a, another nice bit of misdirect, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of red herrings in this for you to chase. Yeah, if if you want to chase those, I guess I just assumed that Pedo was the one making them, but that isn't interesting question but pino was the one who's flipping now the switch sure. to evil yeah <laughs> yeah there yeah. you go yeah because all <laughs> maybe all the toys have like now don't hit the evil switch son fake son that i was well, in the story about pedo's pregnant wife dying right and so then he made pino so he was clearly dabbling in the I don't know. I won't say arts. the occult, but yeah, yeah. Basically, well, I mean, you know, he was- there is like force lightning sort of driving these things around. And I had to mm-hmm. like, when, when did Joe Petto learn the dark side, you know, <laughs> to be able to make that work. He learned it from Charles Lee Ray. Come on. <laughs> yes. Somewhere. Dumbala, give me the power. I beg of thee or whatever is going on in the back. Ooga Booga is happening in the background of that. Well, yeah, but the babysitter even drops the line like nobody buys anything from Pettas anymore. And the, just the way she says it is like probably because of the title. <laughs> even in the nineties, people were like, mm, yeah. "Not a good, not a good way to go, Joe." Joe's Toy yeah. Store would be better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, I think you nailed it in the plot summary though too, Ron. <laughs> like, mom Sarah goes like some gestalt therapy on this poor kid. Like, friggin' talk, you know, <laughs> just loses her shit at him at the breakfast table. I mean, that's and fair. Then, and he's also watching Rambo, the animated series. So I don't know how they got the rights to that, but. Oh, man, that didn't cost anything. That that bombed worse than this did. <laughs> they probably didn't even ask, like, clear, truly. Like, I don't even think this was like a leprechaun thing where, like, there were actual Lucky Charms on the set at one time. I don't think they, they nobody even looked in clearances. There's no way. Like, you, you can't even convince me that they there were. And then she has that breakfast table moment where she's, you know, super nice to him. I made everything just the way you like it. Nothing's touching. And I was like, oh, he's one of those kids. You're (laughs) definitely an only child. What a weird kid. (laughs) I don't want my toast to touch my other piece of toast. (laughs) (laughs) That that is a great pick. I didn't even catch that, Lizzie. That's awesome. No, I was an only child and I wasn't like that. 
<laughs> like you had to keep your like wet food separate from your dry food, but that's normal. You don't want your dry food to get like. You know what? Even I can get behind that. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like in school when we grew up, y'all, like the trays were like it was like prison trays. Like they were cordoned yeah. off. Like they I think really still mixed. like prison trays. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want my corn to get on my rectangle pizza. You know. Yeah, so. they they still <laughs> they still are divided prison trays. That's right. That's by the way. Talk about like a carb load lunch. By the way, here's some corn <laughs> and pizza, kid. <laughs> now go learn geography. That's you that, your chocolate milk. That, they don't they don't yeah. do that anymore, Jay. You have no, I was going to say, yeah, you, you, work, you work in education, Ron. You you know more about this than I do now. But. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, well, yeah, you said chocolate milk. Like, we had like pink lemonade. That was the, that was how my school rolled. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, no, Fancy, Jay. Pinky Ooh. up. I know, right? Yeah. We always got chocolate here. milk on Fridays. <laughs> right, yeah, with fish. That was how mine went. So. <laughs> Oh. For the eight Catholics in Florence, Alabama. <laughs> but, um, I was like, yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, the five Catholic kids are really going to appreciate that. I'm sure they did somewhere along the way. Well, they were the, like the town leadership. But anyway, I digress. Uh, we, yeah, we, I do love our killer toy selection here, though. And we've already mentioned the Larry the Larvae, the glowworm of death is what I call it, in the car, no <laughs> less. And I, I got to say, like, I, I thought that death was great. Like the fake head that it crawls out of and all that. That was mm-hmm. some hell of free shit. Awesome. That honestly, I was not expecting that. I, I wasn't I was expecting him to accidentally wreck the car because this thing was freaking him out. I was definitely not expecting it to actually cause the death. And then the crawl through. Yeah. That was meant. That was really, really cool. That's the magic of Screaming Mad George. I mean, his first credited special effects was on Big Trouble in Little China. And they followed it up with Predator, then Nightmare on Elm Street Three, then he Four. did if you then you did four, and if you haven't seen Arena, it's a great like fight movie with some big creepy aliens. He did all those creepy aliens. He did the the body horror movie Society, Bride of Reanimator, Silent Night, Deadly Night Four. So we're gonna have to watch it, or at least I am. Five <laughs> Freaks, Tales from the Hood. Yeah, uh, Tales from the Hood is awesome. By the way, that that that's worth doing so that, that and he did beyond reanimator which has some crazy stuff in it and he also directed the guyver which is one of my favorite martial arts movies oh, i'd say i didn't know that i didn't know you ever got into doing the directing part of things i just know his, his effects work but no the effects on this are great and we get that late model 80s ford like the car crash in that that was like some a-team shit like the explosion of that was really good like yeah yeah I was like, man, you know what? For a cheap ass movie, like they, they kind of you know, winning me over with the goof effects here. And, yeah, and half everything. the half the money went to Mickey Rooney. The other half went to blowing up that car and creating <laughs> rubber heads for Screaming Mad George. Yeah, that was definitely a one take. To you know, like they're like, you better friggin' get this right because we cannot blow up another Cutlass. Like this is all we got. <laughs> you better get. But I mean, that's like some lethal weapon explosion stuff. It was a huge fireball. That was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really, really done. I, I, I like that. You mentioned Noah being the creepy stalker. And I had misremembered. I thought like he was the the other like brother of of Pino. Like he was the first one or whatever that Pedo made. And he threw him out and that he was coming back for revenge. Mm-hmm. And when that turned out to not be, I was like, oh dang, he's just Derek's you know dad or whatever. Which you know that's another story in and of itself. But I I'm 
watching this going like, how much cooler would it be if it was like the warring children of Joe Petto trying to, I'll out evil you. Like and that. at some point, like Ricky pulls off its fa- his face and he's horribly scarred. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Why, why couldn't we have done that? Like I, that, I don't know. I feel like Noah being like knocking up his teenage girlfriend and then running off to the army <laughs> doesn't make him uh, redeemable in any way. I think if they'd done the other thing, they would have had to pay like 50,000 more dollars. And the executive producer was like, no, there's absolutely no way I was able to get this. Yeah. I was able to get this much from my dentist and my doctor and my podiatrist. And we're not, I can't, I can't milk them for any more money. I mean, it's, it's probably one of those like, um, post wall street slush fund things like dump off my junk bonds into <laughs> this. So I get the tax write off for it. Um, yeah, no, Noah is the weirdest Santa ever, only to be done by Pino and his like Snoopy self and the way he, man, the way he snoops through that house though, like that is some, I mean, you know, you just knew he was creepy anyway, but like he starts, when he starts messing with people's like underwear drawers and shit like that, like you just know, like, okay, yeah, we're in dark, dark times. You know, one thing I didn't notice the first time I saw the movie and I noticed on the second watching for this recording is that if you watch Pino, he moves very puppety. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's something. He that- moves yeah. very much like a toy or a doll, almost. Oh wow! Especially, I see, I pick up on that. It's especially mm-hmm. noticeable when he's like fleeing from the house after getting caught in the the closet. You know, that explains yeah. so much because I just was like, why is that guy running like that? <laughs> he just looks, I was like, maybe he's trying to, like, it's a performance thing. But wow, the, he put a lot of thought into that. Dude. That's that's actually impressive that uh, our our great character there, Tracy Frame, decided to do something with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are a lot of clues other than that, I I mean, throughout the movie to lead you into, oh, he's a toy or robot or doll or whatever you want to call him. And I think one of, for a low-budget film, I will throw this out there as the acting was way better than I think most low-budget, especially low-budget horror flicks pull in. And, you know, case in point was was Pino's performance. I mean, there are a few, you know, there are a few stumbles here and there that I think, you know, weren't weren't like the greatest acting moments. But overall, I was I, you know, I did not find any of the acting to be off putting. I have to say, like, it's at least like that era of lifetime you know, ABC movie of the week special kind of stuff like mother may I sleep with danger level. It's at least that good. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because the guy who plays Pino, Brian Brimmer actually is still working to this day. And it's like, is doing some pretty like mainstream, you know, he he's, he's been in like Tyler Perry stuff. He's been in like, uh, he was in the walking dead video game. He's, He's been in some like actual legitimate stuff as like just like a random character actor. So, you know, it didn't kill his career like we were talking about. And he also followed this up with uh, Pumpkinhead and or he was in Pumpkinhead before this and he was in Society before this. And he's got a pretty major role in Society and he's also pretty good in that. 
that's where I knew the face from, Pumpkinhead. I knew it. Oh, thank you. I didn't look that up, but now I'm like, I know this guy's Pumpkinhead. Yes, you've you've completed the circle, Ron. Yes, Pumpkinhead. Oh, if only he had been in Pumpkinhead Two Blood Wings, I would even have more respect for him. I know, right? That has Soleil Moon Fry in it. You can only do so much. <laughs> I mean, right? So, but that one does have Lance Henriksen in it, though. We should say the original Pumpkinhead. So I will say there was one moment after I had kind of pegged Pino as a doll or an android. And I had this thought in my head, which was, oh, man, what if they're all toys? Ooh. Like going going down the Twilight Zone road. Ooh. And I got really excited for a second. I was like, oh, that would be the best twist. And then it, it didn't happen. But. Yeah, that's that's yeah. getting it. We're getting into Halloween three territory there. Yeah, well, that would have been <laughs> awesome though. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Liz. That would have been cool. So, we do, I got we, my hopes up a few too many times watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, don't do it in this movie. Like, no, no doubt. Like, it's uh, yeah. I, I do, I do get a kick out of like the deadly roller skates from Helm kill. Like Derek's like you know loudmouth annoying friend. Anyone who knows anything about like being on roller skates to get out of control, and I can speak to attest to this, that if you're near grass, that's where you ditch. <laughs> like you yeah. go in the grass and you're done. That kid went into the street. I'm like, well, you're just asking for it now, kid. Like you're just waiting <laughs> to be Marty McFly at that point. This is a you problem now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I will say that whoever did that skating did a great job with like all the backward skating and like doing spins and loops and stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, like I say, I mean, they, they really went all out with all the like the kills. But, but I do love that they hedged their bets. Like somewhere in a, in a room, they're like, we got to show the kid in the hospital. Like the kid can't die. Like we can't do that. Like we do all this other painted shit. We can't do that. <laughs> you know, Spielberg regrets killing that kid in Jaws. We can't be that. Like I'm sure that was the conversation they had. <laughs> well, and was there, maybe I missed, I, was there some. I feel like there was some reference to the toys all being connected because the rollerblades were affected when Derek was beating the Santa Pokemon thing. Yeah, I th- I think they like the energy that whatever that blue lightning energy magic shit is whatever like when it gets disturbed it it turns on the next piece of it so that it can maximum overdrive whatever's near you or whatever. It's the force, Jay. There we well, go. Yes, the force <laughs> flows through all these evil toys. It flows. It binds us and connects us and murders all the children at once. Luke, <laughs> it's very efficient. I mean, it is. But but I like that. Though. I, mean, I I got a kick out of that one too. And then uh, when they do the big Whoa. days of our lives reveal that uh, that Derek is Noah's kid, that is funny because like you bone in the parking lot, and then oh by the way, <laughs> he is my son, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> and your husband's is dead for how long? Two weeks? Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, but look, Todd, we already established Todd was like that. Was, she was, she flat out said it like he had a good job in insurance. Like that was, that was a marriage of good Yeah, it was worth Let's putting up for. That was not the first time Sarah stepped out on him. Let's just be straight. Okay. Yeah, it was worth. Nor him, was, her. It was worth putting up with uh, the constant vodka sweat. Oh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Yes. Vodka and pot roast. <laughs> yeah, that's the smell of the, that's the smell of the cheap gravy packet that you throw in 
to the crock pot. <laughs> yes. Oh no, she ain't crock pot that man. She's microwaving that one of those big industrials. Oh yeah. Size your television. Yeah. Back in those. Throw oh, it on my. the TV tray. Exactly. Exactly. So you can watch the game. Got fifty on the Bears. Damn it. So, <laughs> but I love it that we have dueling love scenes going on. Though. You have them in the parking lot, and then you got the boyfriend and the babysitter um, at the house, right? Because that's, of course, was good. And I love how she's like, "Were all these toys here when we started making out?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." You know, as a typical guy. And like the toys are like lurching around. It's almost like they're trying to get a better view at one point. I I got a real kick out of that because again, I got Puppet Master vibes off of that so big, Ron. Like, yeah, I, between I like, those, oh, yeah. yeah, between the toys moving to watch creepily and the uh, the putt play hand. That kept skulking oh. around that dude's that dude's taint, <laughs> and he enjoyed it very I mean, much. I mean, he was into it. The, the actor, really, like, there's this face. long. It's thirty seconds on his face, and can you imagine being the director going like, "Now here's what's happening." <laughs> I mean, you just go, and that guy was. I mean, that was coming from a place of experience. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, I believe that place of experience. Is the look the on prostate. the poor actress. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, the guy did look like he was 35, so. <laughs> yeah, he's been around the block yeah. a few times. He's done some time on the casting couch. Probably next to, <laughs> oh, yeah. probably next to Todd. That before, is, Todd before Todd lost that his hair. probably true. <laughs> they were like, you hire one of us. Or no, both of us or neither of us. Right. We're a we package are, deal. <laughs> yes, we're a package deal in your piece of smut. <laughs> But no, I love how the toys go out for blood, though, man, and they get it. Like, they just started shooting up the house and all this stuff. I'm like, I, but, you know, that was always the thing. Like, when things would go evil, like, if what if your G.I. Joy toys became evil all of a sudden? Would the rockets suddenly actually work like real rockets? And the answer is yes. And I I got a real, real charge out of that. I thought that was well done. It was funny. Um, only punctuated by drunk Mickey Rooney running in the room. And I don't mean like the character. He looked like he was hammered. Running yeah. in the room and throwing that Santa bag <laughs> over that kid <laughs> to kidnap him. That was, uh, that was a big, precious moment for me. I, I got a real laugh out of that. Mickey Rooney throughout this movie is, I don't know if he's drunk or just giving it his 100% because he's just rampaging through this movie like at the drop of a hat. It's pretty fun. I just didn't picture him, or at least that character, as a Jack Daniels kind of guy. I don't know what I pictured him, but when he pulled out that bottle of Jack, I was like, huh, okay. I guess that's a character choice, but not one I was expecting. Yeah. I'm not sure what else he would have been drinking, though. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of I thought he would be... I didn't think he would be a beer guy because he didn't have the face for it, right? You know, but yeah. definitely hitting like the harder liquor, like maybe rum or something. I don't know, but uh, there was yeah. something going on there with him that uh, I really, I, or maybe like you know what? I'm 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 thinking maybe something cheaper. You know, Jack yeah. is too name brand. Like, let's give him some Canadian LTD or yes. you know something like bottom shelf. Yeah, George. Dickel. I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, I feel like I yeah. could see him. That's definitely. One of the things, you know, so going back to the toy moment where they were all shooting, you know, getting real shoot 'em uppy. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and the babysitter gets pegged in the chest with that cannon. Yeah. And I was like, I thought she was dead. And then she just kept screaming and moving. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And then I had to remind myself that it still was just a toy and it probably didn't, you know, yeah, really it, embed itself too. Yeah, badly. it's like a little BB or something, but not even that strong. It didn't have enough of a spring. But that's what I say. Like yeah. that's what made that's what made the uh, the moment great is when all those toys came to life and started actually shooting projectiles at you. It's just they weren't yeah. damaging enough. The, the one though that like got the saw blades going and became like talk about something out of Phantasm that cut the Achilles on that kid and like cut his face off. Like the the boyfriend, like he got murdered real good. Well, I thought the babysitter was done for too, because that bitey mouthy thing mm-hmm. was you okay. Know, that having... that was uncomfortable because that went straight <laughs> yeah. into her crotch. It got like, it. Well, it got her leg. I don't know. Yeah, it got on the it, thigh, but the yeah. angle was like it was going straight. I actually, in. I had to go back and rewatch that section because I, I guess, wasn't paying that close of attention the first time around. And I thought to myself, did that, did it, did that thing go straight for the crotch? And so I, you know, did the back 30 seconds and I was like, okay, no, it's on the leg, but it didn't look like that when I saw it. I feel like there was a lot of stuff in this movie that was aiming for the crotch that ended up, they ended up (laughs) audibling away from it, specifically with, with her. And of course with, um, tiny whiteys. I figured there was a lot of like we can't afford to film crotch trauma. <laughs> so yeah, that's fair. You gotta shoot around this guy's paint getting oh, destroyed. You, you gotta wonder if like the actress is like, look, I'll do a lot of things, but I am not gonna have evil cunnilingus. Like that is not happening. <laughs> like, no. So like we'll just get the one shot and then we'll make sure it bites down on her thigh, y'all. So but it was yeah, it was but it was just chomping her like slowly. Like it was just you know, it wasn't really doing damage to her, which was yeah. funny. But no, yeah, I, I thought the hand, like the evil hands that were groping her and then like he, you know, she would move it on his back and the hand would go like, okay, I'm here now. You know, I'll just do that. <laughs> I mean, it's there. I mean, there's some really unintentional humor there. Or maybe it's intentional. I, I can't imagine they were making that seriously. They had to know that was going to be funny. I feel like it had to be in- intentional because Screaming Man George is a guy who loves to walk that line between gross and funny. Yeah, and I feel like he had a lot of input into the special effects on this and to how this, these scenes were staged. But, but I'm with you, Lindsay. I thought the babysitter was done for. I know the boyfriend was dead because of the phantasm toy, like I said, but I thought the babysitter was dead, but she's fine. She just walks out, but she's beat to hell, but she's bloody and pulpy, but she's fine. So Yep. I don't know. We get more of a body count. I don't know how she didn't die. I don't know. I guess they realized we needed to have someone explain what's going on. So we'll just yeah. dump some uh, corn yeah. syrup on this girl and send her out. Because there's no way anybody can figure it out after, again, drunk Mickey Rooney comes back. And then the, <laughs> we, get, we, we get the big climax, though. The Pinocchio story and all that stuff. When he strips off, y'all, I lost my shit. I laughed yeah. so friggin' oh hard at the plastic doll man. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> the... <laughs> well, almost anything line when he was like, yeah. Pedo can make anything. And then he looks down at his own empty crotch <laughs> and says, well, almost anything. And, and my then, question is like, and then why starts leave humping that off? his mom. 
his want I mean, to be mom. Right. Like someone explained to me like what that was, what, what that was all about. Cause he looked a lot like Eminem in that moment too, which was <laughs> a lot of it. But like, what is Pino's deal? Like, I want you to be my mother, but I also want to sleep with you. Like, it's like did Pinocchio have someone an edible? Who, I was thing? just going to say someone who made this film had some seriously fucked up edible complexes going on. <laughs> really? Or they just read that like in class and then decided, yeah. Oh, that could be it. And they were like, yeah, this would be a great, <laughs> I'm great gonna... twist. I just feel like, I just feel like the producer was like, no, this hasn't been repulsive enough. We got to throw in some yeah. attempted Kindle molestation. <laughs> it, it, it is Kindle. I mean, it yep. is, it's Bad, uh, but the boy then no one. Uh, Sarah surely curb stomp him into nothing, which is uh, I, I did enjoy the way that they dispatch him and cut him to pieces because get good good effects. Yeah, I feel like they missed out an oppor- They missed out by not having Sarah step on Pino's uh, genital bump. It just really <laughs> like make this extra should, repulsive. Should have hit him with the axe in the bump. <laughs> yeah. That would have been the, that would have been and, the and then yell something like, You got some wood now. Chop. <laughs> <laughs> well there Noah tried to Noah tried to punch him in the face. And all <laughs> I could think was like, You can't punch a doll, idiot. Like, what are you doing? He's he's hard plastic. What do you think that's gonna do to your yeah, no, no, not exactly known for the brain cells. That, and and Noah also almost got really killed by a toy airplane <laughs> yes, earlier. And a toy water time. pistol. And the water pistol, yeah. It's, yes, it's those like, were great, though. I, yeah. I guess the standards for the army were much lower back then because this guy, I mean, I don't see how this guy got out of like tying his shoes class. I mean, this was the, the, the Cold War was over. You know, it was before global war on terrorism, you know, it was a relatively time of peace. Like, was, I think we had cut a lot of things back in the nineties. At that point, it was yeah, it was a time when we could do that kind of thing. But uh, or at least we just assumed that that's that's how you, know, how you got in. Was it was you know you 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 ran away from your responsibilities and joined the army so it would teach you responsibilities. That's what the trope was. Yeah, and you leave your pregnant girlfriend behind, <laughs> right? And, and you pretend like you don't know she was pregnant when you left. Right. Yeah. You asked the question that you know the answer to, which when again, that was a good days of our lives kind of moment though. Like you knew that was coming, you know, mm-hmm. right. you find the little, yeah, again, you find the little stick in the garbage can. You're like, uh, I got to go out and get some cigarettes, honey. <laughs> and then you never yeah. return. And then, and then you get on the bus and the next thing you know, you're at Camp Lejeune. Yeah. Then you're like, <laughs> then you're like West Germany sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you, can you put me in Soviet Russia? Let's just do this thing. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just go all the way up to Siberia for this, but I'll come back someday. Uh, and when I come back, I'm going to blow all my money buying evil toys because I'm convinced of this wild conspiracy theory. Because uh, that's what the army has taught me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's wild. But what I love is that they do leave us with that hanger ending, as every good cheap horror movie is supposed to, right? Something else evil should come to life. And I really wanted, like, right as they got to the door for the door to slam shut and the whole house to be just rigged up with evil shit to come and kill them. And that's where it ends. Like that would have been dark and messed up. And that's where this movie deserved to go. And then you have Clint Howard in a second cameo walk by and just sort of wave, you know, cause that, that lets you know, Ricky's still involved. But instead we got Derek saying, 
it's just a toy. Like this kid hasn't been shitting his pants the entire movie. <laughs> exactly. It's never just a toy. <laughs> now, to be fair, he's probably doing that before Todd was killed. That's fair. True. Because this kid does not. I'm going to disagree with you, Jay. This kid is like not the brightest light. And uh, this kid is also... He doesn't know how to close the door. We figured that out in the first Yeah, thing. and he's he's awful dead behind the eyes <laughs> to me. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little I mean, harsh on uh, uh, on the kid for Bill and Ted's bogus journey, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's not the greatest child acting. I didn't think it was that bad. But, you know, he definitely has boundary issues, as <laughs> we've well established. Well, you know what's funny is after he does this movie, he does uh, the Charles Band version of this movie, Demonic Toys. <laughs> so he clearly had three roles he could get. Um, <laughs> young Bill as Preston Esquire and kid being attacked by toys. <laughs> I think there were a couple crossover actors between this and Demonic Toys. I don't know who the other ones were. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me given how much of uh, how much Charles Band uh, supported Brian Yesna's career, and Brian Yesna yeah. produced this bad boy. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely like they're all working in the same. Like it's just one like set to the next. Like clearly, you know, it's um, it's, it's like it was like the old days of you know NBC or whatever. You did a Law and Order, you did a CSI, and then you go shoot like whatever lousy movie they had going on on the side uh, Universal was shooting. You do, you do a uh, spot on an X-Men movie. <laughs> they just yeah. all got together and rented the strip mall to film their various <laughs> movies in. Exactly. Exactly. Probably the same strip mall that Chuck Norris drove a truck through. Invasion <laughs> USA. No, that was in Florida. This one was clearly, this was clearly Los Angeles yeah. or, you know, Glendale. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which nowadays would be passed off as Northern Georgia, but. Anyway. <laughs> and with that reference to uh, filmmaking in Georgia, which, funnily enough, is where um, one of the uh, is where Pino lives now. He lives in Georgia, <laughs> and he has a band apparently in Atlanta. I don't know if they're called the Creepy Sex Robots or not, but they should be. Anyway, <laughs> that'd be a great name for a band: the Creepy Sex Robots. <laughs> Especially like an indie folk band. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. They should play all, like acoustic. Yes. And they do that uh, clap hay. Uh, they, yeah. they, Lots they, of ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Heavily in the wash tub. <laughs> Throw some spoons in every now and then, you know? <laughs> I mean, spoon solo for the win. <laughs> oh, and on that note. <laughs> yeah, and and on that digression, I think we're all ready to get to the point where we talk about our final thoughts, recommendations, and our popcorn ratings. Now, we all know what the popcorn ratings are, but if you're a first-time listener, number one, I'm sorry. And number two, we rate the movie on a, on a scale of popcorns from small to extra large. Extra large, obviously, being the best. And we can throw any kind of modifier in there we want, like extra butter, extra salt, dropped on the floor. Uh, stepped on by a weird sex robot with no genitals, <laughs> what have you. But to get to our final thoughts, Jay, what do you have to say about Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, The Toy Maker? <laughs> that I haven't already said. Oh, man, you know, look, if you're if you're at this point and you watch this, like, you know what you're getting. 
Like you, if you if you go to a JV uh, sporting event, all right, because you're going to support your kid or one of your friends' kids or whatever, you know, you kind of know what you're there for. You know, you're not going to watch the national championship game or you know anything like that. And you're just there to kind of like just soak it in and just to watch the train wreck happen because you know it's going to be there. Like somebody's going to lose their mind. It's going to be weird. Somebody's going to do something really awesome that's out of nowhere. And you're like, I didn't expect that. Wow, that looks competent. And and then there's going to be people doing <laughs> stupid things on the side that you just have no idea how it happens. And that's this movie. I mean, that is this movie. For popcorn ratings, <clears throat> it's definitely small popcorn. But let me explain to you like it's the good kind of small popcorn. If you go to that sporting event and you have zero intention of eating anything, like I'm not eating this garbage. There's no way. But you walk by the concession stand once or twice and you're like, that smells really good. You know what? It's only 50 cents for that small bag. And I'll just, and you throw out kind of a couple of the burnt kernels and you get to like this five or six in the middle of like the perfect pop, perfect amount of that, you know, concession stand butter fried thing on it. And it's just enough to go like, you know what? That was worth the trip. It's not a lot. I didn't invest a whole lot into it. I didn't have a lot of expectations for it. And it delivered on every one of those things. So I'll give it a small popcorn, but in like a good and fun kind of way. All right. Sounds great. And and for your uh, reference, Jay, when I worked in a concession stand, we used both real butter and butter flavored oil. So there you go. And now, Lindsay, on that note, what are your thoughts about Mickey Rooney's greatest movie? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Jay, I love your. Oh wow, that was actually competent. <laughs> Whatever what you just said. I mean, like I said, I went into this movie with the bar set pretty low. Um, I, I am, I am going to give it. So I don't know if this is technically better or worse than what Jay gave it. I am just going to give it like a plain medium popcorn. <laughs> Nothing. Totally just fair. like, yeah, you just go in. There's barely any butter on it, or you have like the little. It's like it's like the end of the popcorn, you know. They're scraping the bottom of the popcorn thing, and then they just give you a little extra because they had it. So now you have a medium instead of a small. That is because honestly, I mean, the movie's not great, but I went into it thinking it'd be way worse. So, <laughs> 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 so yeah. honestly, I was. And and it went by fast. I didn't – I mean, it was a short movie, but I feel like the last few movies that I've watched, I really felt the length of them. And this one, it went by pretty quickly for me. Um, so I appreciated that. So there was there was always something going on. So that's, that's me, just a plain, plain-ass medium popcorn. And Lindsay, and Lindsay, I will join you in that medium popcorn um, – and I will also join you in its relative plainness. I think I like the movie a little bit more than you did, but uh, I appreciate things that are weird and, and crazy and dumb. And I appreciate movies that just are like, this is our stupid premise. We, we're just going to do it as well as we can. <laughs> and, you know, the fact that yeah. we don't have any money is not going to stop us from paying like an actual special effects genius to show up and do his thing for like the three scenes we can afford him for. So I would definitely give it a minute. Wait a minute, are you talking about the movie or the premise of this podcast, man? (laughs) 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 But yeah, uh, I would give it a medium popcorn. 
And on that note, we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. You can follow the show's social media at Filmstrip Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There you will find announcements about upcoming shows and a link to our letterbox page, which contains our entire list of reviews. Go to filmstrippodcast.com to check out our anchor.fm distribution site. Or you can find us on your podcast platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. If podcasts are there, we'll be there too. Uh, please share the show. And if you like, leave us a positive review as it helps other people find the podcast. You can find me at Den of Geek. I will be picking up the newest season, the latest season of Snowpiercer. And probably having a pretty good time with that because it's Sean Bean doing Sean Bean things and David Diggs doing David Diggs things. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, so check me out at Den of Geek. For Jay and Lindsay, I'm Ron. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.